Welcome back to Voices Across the Border. I'm your host, Will Pazorski, and today we are focusing on the psychological effects, both positive and negative, emigrating to a new country. Today we have Eunice Vargas, a preschool teacher at All Saints Episcopal Day School and Church, who has three amazing children. I was lucky enough to be present when Mrs. Vargas and her husband were sworn in as American citizens in the All Saints School Auditorium years ago and it was an event that very few who were present will ever forget. But Mrs. Vargas's journey was not easy, and it took many years. Today, we hear her story of coming to the United States from Mexico and how she gained citizenship. I'm so happy you're here today, Mrs. Vargas, and thank you for making the time to tell all of us about your journey. So to begin, can you tell me when you came to America for the first time and what motivated you to make that decision? Yes, well, well, thank you for having me. I was 15 years old, and it wasn't my decision. It was my parents' decision to migrate. So I was actually in, I was going to be a sophomore in high school when I migrated. So it was in 1990. Hmm. And what were some of the challenges that you faced? Um, oh, goodness. So for me, the challenges were at 16 years old, you think that your life is your friends and your school. So moving to a different country with you don't know that culture, you don't know that language, you don't know anyone. For a teenager that age, it was very difficult to adjust to a new environment. So even though I knew that life and opportunities in this country were amazing and something that I would never had in my own country, it was very difficult to leave my life at that time and start fresh. Uh, so it was difficult. It was it was hard to adjust and to um, to the culture, especially the language. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And what kind of emotional impact did it have on on both yourself, but also your family as well? So. I believe leaving your your loved ones behind, your extended family, your friends, your home, the things that were familiar to you um, was kind of difficult, I believe. So not seeing my grandparents and not going back for years was was hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and when you're adjusting to living <laughs> in the United States, what kind of support did you receive um, when when you had first arrived? So the high school that I went to, North High, had an amazing uh, teacher that um, was from Germany, and she spoke like five different five different languages, and Spanish was one of them. So she kind of took all the kids in her class that didn't speak English under her wing. So she kind of guided us through learning the culture, understanding the culture and teaching us. She was not our ESL teacher, but she kind of took the role in reinforcing the language and what we were doing and just being there to talk to, you know, like um, if we were having issues at school, as you know, you know, teenagers, you have your own difficulties <laughs> being a teen and with friends and all, and then adding, not knowing the language and the culture was difficult, but she was there to guide us and support us. So there were people in our church as well 
that were very supportive. So I was very blessed to have met um, a lot of people that were there for us, to support us. And um, during the process, the, the immigration process itself, mm-hmm. how, how, how are you feeling and what were some of the challenges um, of that process? I mean, can you walk us through about like the timeline that it took and, and yes. some of the specific challenges that you faced? So in a way, I was blessed because I didn't have to. My dad um, migrated earlier than we did. So he um, obtained his green card because he worked in the fields in California. So he, excuse me, he got his permit to be here. And three years later, he was able to petition his family. So when I came here to the U.S., um, I came with a visa. But he adjusted our um, situation by petitioning us. So my process, I guess, in a way, I didn't see. I, I had no idea how complicated the process was because I was a minor and my dad did everything for us. So mm-hmm. it took for me from 1990 to 1995 so I could get my green card because of him. So I was... During those five years, I was still with my visa and renewing the visa. And then when he was approved for for him to petition my brother and I, it was five years, but I was still a minor. So I really didn't understand the whole process until I became, you know, aware of that later on in life. Mm-hmm. So I obtained my green card, which is complicated because you only you had to have somebody to obtain it, you have it has to be somebody that is a citizen or somebody that has a green card that is your parent of your mom. Mm-hmm. I don't think siblings. I'm not sure of the whole process, but it's it's very complicated to get it. Mm-hmm. And you feel now, looking back on it, you're, you're a lot more knowledgeable about it than you were. At yes. The time. Yes. So then, you know, when you become aware of how difficult it is and that everybody can get it, because a lot of people believe like why can't they just do things legally there's a lot of people that there's they don't have a way to get there's no way for them to get a legal status mm-hmm. so, so i was blessed because my father was my way my father was my path to citizenship mm-hmm. so on that note how would you say your experience as a legal mexican immigrant compares to the experiences of other immigrants that you know both legally and illegally It's very difficult because I feel that I had a huge advantage because of my father and I had seen the struggles of um, even family members that I have that I had to, some of them even had to walk the desert and, and the border and have been deported and some have died. So I feel that I have... I couldn't understand what they've gone through because I never went through that. But I know that for a lot of people, it's very difficult still. And and even after maybe 20, 30 years, they still cannot get their their legal status. Hmm. So it's um it's a complicated process, but I I seen it. I seen how um it's a broken system and I see how it has affected families, you know, family members with children here that the kids are 
legal here because they, they were born here citizen, but the parents are not. And some of them have been deported, how it has split families apart. It's just, it's a difficult process. It's, it's hard to understand. Mm -hmm. That must have been um, pretty difficult on you psychologically when you've gained your citizenship, but you know that some of your acquaintances or family members back yes. home may be struggling. Yes. And the thing, what it is, Will, is that I honestly didn't appreciate how valuable it was at that age because I got my 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 green card first when I was 19. So I could have become a citizen five years after that just by taking a test and, and doing a few things. And I put it off. I really didn't see the value of it because I was already legal. The only thing that I couldn't do was vote. But I, I paid taxes. I did everything else that uh, an American citizen had with my green card, but mm. I couldn't vote. That was the only thing. And I just put it up for years. It took me literally, I would say, probably like 25 years before I decided it was enough. Like I needed to get my citizenship, but mm. I could have done it five years after I got my green card, but I waited. I just didn't see the need for it until the whole political atmosphere changed. And I, I needed to secure that for my children and for myself. And what did getting that citizenship mean to you? A protection, like, um, and just like appreciation. I, I adopted this land and I love this land, like my second home. And I have loved it since, you know, day one. And I have appreciated every opportunity I have had and remember where I came from and what my life was over there and seeing my children, how that direct was the word trajectory has changed for them and being able to send them to the best schools that I can and getting an education that I didn't get and seeing how their generation is going to be better. And by getting that citizenship, it's like, okay. I do belong here. It's my country. And it was just a piece of paper that so many people dream of and have lost their lives for. Mm -hmm. And I took it for granted for so many years because I had a legal status. I just didn't think, you know, I don't need to vote. I don't need to be part of the political uh, life here. But no, we have to. <laughs> we have to get involved. We have to do our duty. And you know, it took me 25 years to really grasp and understand that. Hmm. Um, so you mentioned that you weren't, you were unable to vote for a while. Um, yeah. Did your immigration status impact your ability to ever find work, um, housing or, or any other opportunities within the United States? No, because when you are, when you have your green card, you're legal. You're you're a legal citizen. Um, like I said, the only thing, the only right that you don't have, you don't have the right to vote, but you have every other right. So, with my green card, I was able to get housing, buy cars, get a credit card, get my credit going. So, mm -hmm. the citizenship status was the protection that I needed to vote, and also if by any chance, for example, if you 
have your green card and you commit a crime, you're they can take that away from you and deport you. Mm. Uh, citizenship gives you the same rights, right? So if you commit a crime, they put you in jail and you pay for your crime, but they're not going to deport you anywhere else. It's your country. Mm-hmm. So the citizenship protects you like any born citizen. So that's what it was. But my green card gave me the legal status to do everything else that I needed to do. Well, it seems like you've had a lot of um, success with your citizenship and also being able to put your children on a a path to success. But um, upon arriving in the United States, um, have you experienced any sort of discrimination or prejudice? And if so, how have you dealt with these issues? And I, I have, and I still do. A lot of people see you and they judge you by how you look, or if they hear you speak just because I have an accent, they think that I don't know how to think, or I don't have a brain, or I don't, I'm not educated. So you do get a lot of that. Um, I remember one time we were at a, trying to check into a hotel, and I was with my husband. And um, so somebody said to me, well, you don't look Mexican. And I said, well, what does a Mexican look like? And she just looked at me. She was like, your husband. And, she, and I just looked at her, and then I said, okay, well what does that mean? Like, so she would intend to us. And I was like, wow. And I had the kids with me and I think Aaron was like five or six. So he just looked at me like, why is she not like helping us? I said, well, you know, some people have their own issues, but it's okay. You know, we'll go somewhere else. But that was with my kids. But when I came here, we got a lot of that. We get a lot of comments at the store. Like if I was translating for my parents, because they didn't speak in English, they came when they were my mom was 50, my dad was older. So they never, they tried, but they never learned the language. So every time we went to stores and I was translated for them, you will always get people making their comments, like go back to your country if you're not going to learn English, but they don't know why they didn't learn. Do you understand? Like they just judge. They just said that you have to know the language. Well, yeah, but not everybody can learn the language. Right. So things like that. I mean, and you just have to like move on and not engage. If it's something that I see discrimination against other families or I usually step in. I don't stay quiet, but um, I kind of had to learn to fight my battles, what is worth it and what is not. If it's somebody that you know is ignorant and they're yeah. just talking about from their own ignorance. You educate and you try to, but then you don't engage and I don't fight with them. I don't argue with them. It's just not worth it. Yeah. So so that story where um, the the person who was working said that you didn't look Mexican, was mm-hmm. that in the United States or was that in Mexico? That was in California. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, which is weird because California is such a mud and so many Hispanics there. Yeah. So I I really didn't understand what her comment was because I, I we were there just to check in. <laughs> wow, that is awful that that happened to you. But but you'd say that um, your experience as an immigrant has impacted your sense of identity and and belonging both uh, in the United States. 
Um, no, I do feel that for the most part, throughout my life here, I have encountered amazing, wonderful people. And I have felt always like as part of it. And yes, you do get, um, my experiences will be different than than other people that were born here, but I still feel accepted and loved here. And I have made wonderful connections with people and I have many friendships from from all over the world, from different backgrounds. And I have a diverse group of friends. So I do feel like I belong. Hmm. And, and do you feel that way um, in Mexico as well, right? Yes. Well, I mean, and then when we go back, it's kind of like, <laughs> so my kids is always like a double standard, I, I believe, because they're not American enough for some people and they're not Mexican enough in Mexico. So here there's always questions like, okay, well, you're Mexican-American, but you're really not American, fully American. When we go to Mexico, because they have an accent speaking Spanish, they're not fully accepted. So I feel more, I feel for them more than for me. Because they, they're two identities, you know, it's difficult for them to navigate because they are Mexican, they are American as well. But when we go back, like when there's always questioning, there's always like, well, you're not Mexican enough. You don't know the whole culture or you don't speak, you speak funny. And it's just, and it's the same here. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, it's just something that we have to deal with. Um, on the topic of your of your children, I was thinking about this. So, you mentioned that you're you're you've got a lot of pride, and you're very hopeful that they're on a path to success in the United States. And you said that you're happy that their experience isn't something like yours when you were growing up. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if if you're able to elaborate a little bit more on what that experience was like, and what some of the hardships you faced before gaining your citizenship um, or your green card. Uh, what some of those hardships were in Mexico? Oh, in Mexico? Mm -hmm. Well, um, in Mexico, it's just who you know and how much you have. And it's so corrupt. So if I wanted to go, if I wanted to stay over there and I wanted to go to a good university, even if I had the grades and let's say my parents had okay money to pay for my because tuition over there is not as bad as here. It's very, you know, affordable. However, there's only a number of students that can apply every year. So let's say that I wanted to go to the university and I have all the grades and I have my recommendations and all of that. And I was, I had all the requirements. If I didn't win the lottery to go to the university, I couldn't go. So I didn't have a right to go into probably the next year. And if the next year there was no spot for me, I couldn't go either. <laughs> or I had to go to a private university, which there's some of them over there too. But then the tuition will be something that my parents could never afford. Yeah. So it is different for, um, it's very difficult to understand over there. And I keep telling the kids, it's a whole different system. It's, it's, yes, there's education, but not everybody has access to it. So here I feel that even if I don't have the means financially, if my kids have the brain and the grid and they have 
the passion to continue and follow their dreams, they're able to do it. And they have. And that's what is different than what I had, what I experienced. My, my last question on that note is mm-hmm. what advice would you give to someone who is currently going through the immigration process or who is considering, you know, maybe someone who is in a situation that you were in um, when you lived in Mexico, um, someone who's considering immigrating to the United States in the future? What, what sort of advice would you give to someone like that? Mm, it's hard to say. Um just to try to educate themselves and the process and how, if there's a way for them to get, you know, a path for when to get here legally. And if not, if it's, it's just so difficult because um, a lot of people that are thinking of coming here, it's not just because they woke up and say, I'm going to go to the United States. A lot of them are fleeing uh, violence, um, persecution, the cartels. So there's a lot of a lot of things that a lot of people will say, you know what, I'd rather die in the desert than die here because the alternative is not any better in Mexico. So just to pray about it and then to try to find help, try to find a way to get here safely and in the best way that they can. Mm-hmm. Well, well, Thank you so much for, for for sharing your story and for being a part of this. That was no, you're welcome, and, and definitely also educational. Um, so I'm very appreciative of you taking yeah. to talk with us today. Well, thank you for your time, and you know, hope they, I was able to open up a little light of what it is. Even though I didn't, I feel like there's other people that have better story than I did there's you know there's different different views oh well i think your story is incredible and i I think it's definitely something that can uh, be enlightening for a lot of people so thank you thank you thank you will the story of mrs vargas gives us an understanding of what the transition can be like for an immigrant coming to the united states She was fortunate to have the opportunity to come to America legally. In the year she became a naturalized United States citizen, she joined almost 700,000 others, a number which has only fluctuated by 100,000 since 2009. She was lucky, and we are lucky to have her as a citizen in our community, making a positive difference by helping children learn every day at her school and by raising three children who are making a positive impact on our society. But as Mrs. Vargas said, it's not that easy for some who are unable to get a green card. And that's what we will be discussing in our next episode. Thank you for joining me in today's episode of Voices Across the Border.